Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon, even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Maurice Sabrin about his book, Navigating the Boom-Bust Cycle, an Entrepreneur's Survival Guide. Murray Sabrin, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Well, thank you, John, for inviting me. This is a great time to talk about the economy. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you. And I'm super excited to be chatting with you about your book, Navigating the Boom-Bust Cycle, an Entrepreneur's Survival Guide. Uh, You have a lot of expertise in this area, so I'm super excited to be able to pick your brain as we explore this together, not only to better understand economic conditions uh, and how organizations can navigate, uh, but also applying it back into organizations and leaders trying to better run their organizations and their teams. As we get started, I wanted to share Murray's bio with everybody. Murray Sabrin, PhD, is Emeritus Professor of Finance at Ramapo College of New Jersey. He was the New Jersey Libertarian Party nominee for governor in 1997 and twice sought the Republican nomination for U.S. Senate. His newly released book is Navigating the Boom-Bust Cycle and Entrepreneur's Survival Guide. Again, great to be with you. Anything else you would like to share with me and my listeners by way of your background before we dive on in? Well, it's uh, interesting. I'm an immigrant. I came to the United States in 1949 at age two and a half uh, with my older brother and my parents, who were the only um, members of their respective families to survive the Holocaust. And from that experience of growing up in a a household of Holocaust survivors, I got to learn a lot about their experiences during World War II, how they survived. And that helped shape my worldview about uh, government, politics, uh, the economy, if you will. And uh, here I am today uh, trying to have an impact on uh, where the U.S. should be in order for us, for everyone to enjoy uh, the fruits of their labor and to have uh, peaceful relations around the world. Yeah, that, that is fantastic. Wonderful. So let, let's dive on in and just open up by telling us about the premise for the book, why you felt um, this was an important book for our time today. Well, the, uh, the idea for the book came from uh, the acquisitions that are for the publisher, Business Experts Press. And he contacted me because of a mutual friend uh, suggested that uh, he speak to me about possible books for the uh, publisher. And there are two books I had in mind, one obviously about the business cycle and uh, how it's impacting the economy, but more importantly, how entrepreneurs can navigate the booms and busts, because as we know, when the bust occurs, a lot of entrepreneurs are cut short 
They either have to sell their business, uh, go into bankruptcy, um, um, merge with another company. And what they can do to make sure that their businesses stay afloat and maybe even uh, generate more ideas that will take them to the next phase of their uh, business. And so I was very excited about writing this book, given where we were in the economy in uh, 2020. And uh, the book was written in 2021. Uh, and so uh, the book came out in uh, October of last year. And I think it's going to have an impact because entrepreneurs need good advice. And the book provides plenty of good advice about how to navigate your business, not only during the bust, but also during the boom. Because as we know, entrepreneurs get, as uh, one economist called it, uh, irrationally exuberant about their businesses, thinking that the business is going to continue, profits are going to keep on coming in. And uh, when the economy turns and they find out they're stuck with a lot of inventory that they can't move at prices that they thought they could sell the products for, that's when the trouble begins for companies. And uh, they just have to have a good handle about the economy, which means really knowing their market, knowing the macro economy to a certain extent, because that's really going to help determine where they are in the uh, business cycle. And also, um, uh, I'm, I just finished writing another book for Business Experts Press on medical insurance and how entrepreneurs can navigate the medical insurance maze, because as we know, medical insurance has become incredibly expensive. And uh, we're spending so much money on medical care and medical insurance that I thought I'd put something together for entrepreneurs so they can reduce their medical uh, insurance costs medical insurance benefits for their employees, but improve the quality. And that's a challenge that I think this book, that my next book addresses. Yeah, well, wonderful, wonderful. So let's talk a little bit more about those macroeconomic conditions that create these booms and busts. Now, clearly part of it is, you know, the, the most recent recession has just been the pandemic. Um, but you're right, you're right that, that there are these natural cycles. So walk us through that in kind of simplistic terms. So we have a general overview of what that looks like. And then we can dive into uh, more about what, how we can navigate that and, and uh, okay. better understand those cycles. Okay, given all the theories that are out there, uh, I've, I, I'm convinced that the best theory to explain the business cycle was developed by Ludwig von Mises uh, of the Austrian school back in uh, the early part of the 20th century in his book, The Theory of Money and Credit. And he continued to write about it throughout his uh, lifetime. And then his students, uh, most, most notably Murray Rothbard, picked up on uh, his approach and applied that to understanding American business cycles. His doctoral dissertation at Columbia, the Panic of 1819, and so on and so forth. But let me give you some uh, this general view of the business cycle. The business cycle is not endemic to the market economy. That idea comes from Karl Marx, who said the business cycle is one of the curses of capitalism, and therefore we should go to a socialist, communist society to get rid of the business cycle. He was totally wrong on his analysis of the, of the business cycle. The business cycle is really a phenomenon that goes back about 200 years that came about because of the introduction of central banking, which made it possible for a central authority in, in every government that adopted central banking to manipulate money and credit in the economy. And that caused distortions in the economy by giving us an unsustainable boom, which we saw during the dot-com bubble and the housing bubble, and now what people call the everything bubble. And that's because in, in the United States, the Federal Reserve targets short-term interest rates. And by targeting short-term interest rates, it thinks it can precisely determine what is the interest rate that will give us maximum employment and output 
with very low inflation. They failed in that attempt for the past hundred years since the Federal Reserve has been operating. And so now we, we have a situation where we go through these boom bust cycles regularly. They're all different in magnitude and uh, amplitude and duration. But the point is they all have uh, a common thread, namely the Federal Reserve pumps money into the economy, pumps money out of the economy, and that generates the uh, unsustainable boom and the inevitable bust because as we're seeing now, inflation is getting out of control, a 40-year high in the inflation rate. And uh, this was inevitable given the fact that the money supply, the broad money supply known as M2, increased by 25% in 2020. So when you increase the money supply, it's inevitable you'll get an unsustainable boom, as we're seeing now in the housing market, as we've seen in the, in the stock market, as we've seen in the bond market. And now prices are reflecting the easy money that the Federal Reserve uh, 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 policymakers decided was the best way to go in 2020. So, so the reality is that we see these, the boom bust cycles. And you mentioned earlier, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, around every decade or so, there's kind of these booms and busts. Um, that occur. Is that accurate? Well, the interesting thing in the research I did for this book is since 1920, virtually every year ending in zero has been a recession. The, the Forgotten Depression of 1920, 21, uh, 1930, of course, was the beginning of the Great Depression. 1940, we were still in the Great Depression. 1950, we had a, a minor uh, recession. 1960, we had a minor recession. 1970, we had a minor recession. 1980, 1990, 2000, 2010, the recession came earlier with the housing bust in 2008 and 2020. We didn't have a typical recession. What we had was the government lockdown, which caused an economic downturn. Now, that's not a recession in the classical sense of the word. We've always had economic downturns throughout history. War is probably the greatest cause of economic downturns because economic activity contracts. When we had famines in the pre-industrial age, you get a contraction of economic activity. When the kings used to confiscate the people's money uh, by the, uh, debasing their coins, uh, causing confiscation of the coins, and then reissuing coins with less uh, uh, gold or silver content. Those caused economic crises. But the phenomenon we're seeing now is strictly responsible, is, is responsible by the Federal Reserve. The Fed is responsible for the boom-bust cycle, and nothing else can change that fact. And unfortunately, the policymakers don't get it, the politicians don't get it, and most economists don't get it. So if it's going to happen, um, what can organizations do? You know, if I, if I can reasonably predict that every 10 years or so, there's going to be um, some sort of a, a downturn or a recession, you know, what can and should I be doing as an organizational leader to prepare for that? Well, let me give you an analogy. In the 70s, however, we had a recession in se from 73 to 75, which was the result of Arthur Burns, chairman of the feds at the time, increasing the money supply in order to help Nixon get elected in 1972. So we had a big boom in 1972. We had wage price controls in 1971, which masked the inflation. And then when the price, uh, price controls went off, and then we got the oil crisis of 73. So you had a perfect storm in 73, which gave us a recession in the middle of the decade, so it's in the middle of the decade. So we may be going through the, the same cycle that we saw in the 70s in the, in the 2020s. I think we're going to have a recession no later than 2023 because the Fed has started to what tighten monetary 
and credit conditions by raising interest rates. The question is how high will they raise interest rates and how will that adversely affect the economic activity of, uh, of companies across the America? So we may see a recession in 2023 because of the Fed's tightening right now because of the massive amount of money and credit they created uh, to uh, deal with the pandemic lockdowns. And then we may see another boom starting in the middle part of the 2020s that could end in the late 20s with another big bust, which would be 100 years after the 1929 beginning of the cr uh, crash of the Great Depression. And I also noticed in something in doing the research, and these, again, these are just observations, whether they're causal is, remains to be seen, but we had a great panic in 1819 that Murray Rothbard wrote about in the 1950s, and the book was published in 1962. Then we had the Forgotten Depression in 1920. We had the, the um, and then of course the lockdowns in 2020. So we've had three cycles that took place 100 years apart, 1819, 1920, and 2020. So, and if, if that 100 year cycle is operational, again, 1929, 2029. Now I'm not saying that's inevitable. I'm just saying, there are incredible cycles throughout American financial history that are kind of interesting. And so the question becomes, uh, we know the underlying factors that give rise to these cycles. And um, this is chapter four in my book on navigating the boom bust cycle. It's called wash, rinse and repeat. So the Fed creates money, it gives us a boom, then the Fed tightens up, we get the bust and the cycle keeps on repeating. And that's been going on for a hundred plus years since the Federal Reserve was created. Check out my new book, The Future Leader, Creating and Transforming Next-Gen Organizations. Stemming from two decades of professional experience and over 600 in-depth interviews with executives, thought leaders, and scholars from across the globe, The Future Leader will help you explore the ordinary, everyday actions that will help you to prepare to lead in the future of work, to respond to an uncertain future, and to produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Academy, courses, micro-credentials, and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. All HCI Academy courses, micro-credentials, and certificates are designed, developed, and delivered by award-winning and internationally renowned scholars, educators, thought leaders, executives, and practitioners. Our courses, micro-credentials, and certificates will help you make your mark on the future of work and make an immediate impact in your organizations. Check out the HCI Academy and our many course offerings and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us. So with those cycles in place, what, what do we do about it? If, if we recognize that these things are probably going to continue, these patterns are going and cycles are going to continue, how do we prepare for it? 
Well, this is this is why the book is so critical, I think, for entrepreneurs. They have to know exactly what's happening, not only with their business, but their the sector that they're in. So we know that there are certain sectors that are very sensitive to the business cycle, like the metal sector, the capital goods sector, uh, heavy duty trucks, automobiles, housing, and any industry or business related to those sectors will feel the pain as the economy goes into recession. So if you're in a boom period, everything looks great, like in housing today. I mean, housing is just on fire, especially in Southwest Florida, where I'm living. Prices are up 30% on average from a year ago. So that means the brokers are making money, the bankers are making money, the contractors are making money. And so what I suggest is that when you have these boom periods that are unsustainable, you better put money away in reserve because when the downturn comes, you're going to need working capital in order to get through the next downturn in your sector because each sector is affected differently during the course of the business cycle. So knowing what sector you're in, and and that's discussed in my book, you can get a better handle as to when, as they say, it's going to hit the fan. And um, right now, things look good, but we saw the data just came out. The first quarter of 2022 showed a, a contraction in economic activity. Now, that could be a precursor to how this thing is going to unfold over the next several quarters, or it may just be an anomaly in the first quarter. And we don't know that until we get data for the second and third quarters of 2022. But in the meantime, what businesses should be doing is building up reserves on an individual level, on an entrepreneurial level, and as a corporate level. You need reserves to get through a a cycle because if you don't have reserves and uh, your businesses contract, you're going to have to lay off people. You still have to pay your rent. You still have to pay your uh, uh, mortgages on any uh, and loans you have outstanding. So you better have good cash flow or reserves in order to tide you over the downturn, which may contract your business uh, cash flow by what? 5, 10, 20, 40%. Nobody knows for sure. But this is what uh, I talk about in the book is to figure out what sectors are sensitive to the cycle. Go to the Federal Reserve Economic Database to see how they perform during the cycle. And I uh, link to charts that uh, talk about that in the book. And uh, the thing is, we know when the cycle will turned down and uh, the indicators are the price of copper when the price of copper goes down uh, heavy duty truck sales go down and here's another indicator that i observed in looking at the data is when the unemployment rate is at a very low level and you go back to previous cycles you'll see the unemployment rate stay at a low level three and a half to four percent and it stays there for several months and then starts creeping up that typically is the beginning of the recession and so uh the unemployment data, I think, is a very critical macroeconomic uh, variable for entrepreneurs to look at. But more importantly, is to see what their cash flow is like on a daily, weekly, monthly basis and uh, and see what their competitors are doing as well, because they will get a sense of uh, when their sales are slowing down. And therefore, they should start taking some uh, precautionary uh, action to uh, tie them over during the downturn of the cycle. Yeah, so so putting money away for a rainy day is always great advice. Uh, don't be, become over leveraged. Um, you know, having high levels of fixed cost with lots of inventory, um, you know, can have problems. And so just in time inventory and some of those mm-hmm. sorts of things can help you navigate and weather um, some of the challenges that might come as we see a downturn. And just <clears throat> recognizing that the cycles will occur Barring some major shift in public policy, 
you know, in the near future, we're going to continue to see these types of, of cycles happen. And so we just need to uh, be ready for them and have our teams, have our organizations ready for them in terms of strategic planning mm -hmm. cycles and just making sure that we're having the ongoing conversations to, to make sure that our, our uh, organizations are as future-proof as possible. Uh, and whether it's an economic downturn um, caused by these natural cycles, as you've been describing, or it's war, you know, like I, I'm thinking right now we have war in the Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, anyone dealing with war, they're going to have these natural downturns as well. And, and economic activity is going to be reduced. And that, of course, is going to have all sorts, cause all sorts of challenges for organizations. Um, and we can't always foresee those things. And so things like a, pan a global pandemic, we can't always foresee those things. Um, yet we should recognize and acknowledge that it's inevitable that those things will happen at some point. We just don't know when. <laughs> right. And so we need to, to be mindful of that and prepare for it accordingly. Uh, so I think all of that is, uh, is, is really important. Now let's talk a little bit more, like if we were to shift public policy in such a way that it could allow us to kind of get outside of these cycles or to um, future-proof our organizations against these cycles, what might that look like? Well, the first thing is the Federal Reserve should not try to manage the economy by manipulating short-term interest rates called the Fed funds rate, which uh, the Federal Reserve uh, raises during the, uh, an inflationary cycle, with, which we're now in, in order to cool down the economy and stop prices from galloping away. I mean, we have 8.8% inflation for the past 12 months, which is the highest in 40 years. And uh, the sad reality of that is the, uh, America, the average American's uh, purchasing power is plunging, especially the interest that they're getting on savings. I mean, if you have a decent amount of money in a savings account, you're getting close to zero, while inflation's at 8%. That means you're losing 8% in purchasing power in the past year. That's unconscionable. I don't know how the people at the Federal Reserve can sleep at night when tens of millions of Americans are losing hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars a year in interest income and where is the AARP in, in screaming at the top of their lungs that their members, senior citizens on fixed incomes, are losing a tremendous amount of income, and so their living standards are going down. So you have the worst of all worlds. You have an economy that could be on the, on the brink of a recession. You have in, uh, income of seniors and other people living on fixed incomes uh, down. You have wage earners seeing their uh, real wages going down. And you have businesses whose profit margins may be shrinking because of uh, uh, people are very nervous about paying higher prices uh, for uh, more good for goods and services. And so the economy is in a mess in one sense, but on the other hand, the stores are basically have all the goods that people want available to them. Now we have some, some supply chain uh, uh, bottlenecks out there, uh, not because of the free market, because of public policy, because of the, the sanctions, because of uh, uh, Biden uh, canceling the Keystone Pipeline, which would have brought uh, oil to uh, from Canada to the United States. The price of oil is at, I think, uh, a 20 year high, if not higher. I mean, the, well, actually the price of oil skyrocketed during the uh, a housing bubble to, uh, I think, $140 a barrel, where I think at 110 right now. So again, public policy is detrimental to f financial and economic stability and, um, and growth. It's what the government does is basically unsustainable for the economy. We need to get 
we mean, need to have a more of a laissez-faire approach to the economy. And I've been talking about this for decades. Other people have been talking about it for decades. Let the market, which means buyers and sellers, workers and entrepreneurs, get together in the marketplace to sort things out of what they want and what, they, and what will be produced. Instead, the federal government and the Federal Reserve tries to mi micromanage the economy, and it's been a total failure. And why people don't recognize this is it shows you how people cling onto their, their bad ideology, and the average person that suffers because of that. Well, Murray, this has been a fun conversation. Our time is short. I mean, I, there's a lot more we can unpack here in different perspectives and points of view in regards to all of this. Uh, but I really appreciate your insight. I appreciate you coming on to share a little bit about what you talk about in your book. Before we wrap up for today, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, where they can find your book, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Sure. Uh, my uh, blog is murraysabrin.com. I've linked all the interviews and articles I've written the past six months about the economy, including medical care. Uh, I wrote a book on universal medical care, how we could have that in a free market. Uh, uh, that's discussed in, in, on my uh, blog. The books are available on uh, Amazon, universal medical care from conception to end of life and navigating the boom bust cycle. And so uh, my mission right now uh, two years after retiring from uh, from a 35-year college uh, teaching career, is to get the word out to the American people that the emperor has no clothes, that the Federal Reserve is not our savior, the federal government destabilizes the economy, the Federal Reserve destabilizes the economy, and that we w need more of a free market, laissez-faire approach to economics, which is uh, contrary to the conventional view on the talking heads on TV and uh, possibly radio, and of course, in the halls of Congress and maybe in, in corporate boardrooms. They think they need to get the government behind them. No, they need the government out of their lives so they can fulfill consumer needs and providing value to consumers, and therefore they will prosper. And that the great companies in America throughout American history have provided value to consumers, and that has allowed the economy to grow. And the wonderful thing about America, uh, John, is that entrepreneurs throughout our history Despite all the things that government throws at them, taxes, regulation, war, uh, easy money, have been able to create and, and provide goods and services that people want throughout our history. That's the beauty of a free market economy. And I, what I'm suggesting is that it could be even better if we downsize the federal government and get the Federal Reserve not to do what it does, which is try to micromanage the economy by manipulating interest rates. Thank you, Murray. We're going to have to leave it there. It's been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Murray can do for you. Check out the book. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Bluer than Indigo Leadership, the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue, what some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for your individuals, teams, and organizations. 
check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership. Ordinary, everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.